0: april 25th 2017 and that means there's eight months to go until christmas today on the show we'll examine some compelling evidence that santa claus may in fact be a time lord we'll read some listener feedback find out who you thought sang silent night best continue our diehard debate and we'll explore the legend of el aguelo <gasps> <gasps> el, el aguelo, aguelo? uh see, sí. el aguelo let's start the show Christmas, the final frontier. These are the ramblings of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's monthly mission, to spread holiday cheer, to keep making silly Christmas jokes, to merrily go where no podcast has gone before. Sorry, Silicon Valley Comic Con was this weekend and I'm feeling a little geekier than normal. I guess what I'm trying to say is, welcome to the show. Hope your spring is going well, hoping you're enjoying this warmer weather, but... If you're like me, you may be dreaming of a white Christmas. Well, if you need a little holiday happiness to tide you over, you'll want to listen to our first segment, We Need A Little Christmas, NOW! We need
1: a little Christmas now! now.
0: This is definitely an odd one, but then, so am I. Uh, a few weeks ago, I took my first solo trip to Disneyland in several years, partially just as a fun vacation, but also to get some footage for Season 3 of my Disneyland YouTube series called Kingdom Comedy. Since I was there by myself, I didn't have to worry about embarrassing my wife or my kids, so one day, I wore all my Christmas stuff to the park. I had a Christmas light necklace, light-up Christmas Mickey ears, and of course, I can't-wait-for-Christmas podcast t-shirt. Yes, it was early April, but the great thing about Disneyland is that no one looked at me sideways. Several people thought it was actually pretty cool. In fact, when I went to meet Chewbacca, he seemed super excited about my Christmas gear. He was pointing to my shirt. He got the attention of the people who take the pictures. He made sure they saw my shirt. It was really cool. So I'm going to assume that the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is super big on Kashyyyk. Although I will admit that Captain America and Spider-Man seemed a little confused by all my Christmas gear. But they definitely rolled with it and seemed to find it amusing. But the moral of the story is, if you're looking for a place to wear your Christmas gear any time of the year, look no further than the happiest place on earth. Unless you know some other safe harbors to wear your Christmas gear any time of the year. If you know any, leave a comment at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now, let's move on to our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. So Peter Capaldi's final season as Doctor Who started just about a week ago, and- Really? What is it, imaginary listener who sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog? Another Doctor Who top five list? You did one of these last year. Yeah, but that was the top five Doctor Who Christmas specials. This is different. Look, Captain Comic-Con, did it occur to you that not everyone who listens is a fan of Doctor Who? Not everyone is a nerd. Some of us actually had dates for prom. It's a low blow, Frogman. It's a low blow. But I get it. I wasn't even a fan of the show till a few years ago. But you don't need to be a fan of the show for this list. I'll explain it as I go. Oh, you'll explain the nerd show. Great. What does it have to do with Christmas? Put a stocking in it. Look, Santa Claus does a lot of things that aren't easy to explain. But... There's an alien race called the Time Lords in Doctor Who, and they have a lot of amazing powers and abilities. Now, if you believe that Santa is secretly a Time Lord, you can answer a lot of the mysteries about his legend. All right, go ahead, Who boy. Uh, actually, it's a Hoovian, and here we go. Number five. Santa mystery, how does Santa get to every house in one night? Time Lord answer, Santa's sled is a TARDIS. (laughs) So the Doctor is the main character in Doctor Who, and he is a Time Lord. He flies around in a spaceship called the TARDIS that looks like a blue police box from 1950s England. But not only can it fly, it can travel through time. Now, a TARDIS doesn't have to look like a police box, it can disguise itself as anything. Like, say, a sled. So now you can stop trying to figure out how fast Santa would have to be moving to get all the gifts delivered in one night. He just spends some time giving gifts in one neighborhood. Then after about an hour or so, he pops back in time an hour or so, and he's in a whole different neighborhood delivering presents at the same time. He does that all night until everyone has their presents. See? It's not magic. It's Time Lord Science. Number four. Santa Mystery. How does Santa fit all the toys in one bag? Time Lord answer? It's bigger on the inside. So, continuing to talk about the Doctor's TARDIS, remember how I said it looks like a blue police box? Which is about the size of a phone booth? Wait, if you don't know what a police box is, there aren't any phone booths around either. Oh, what do you you compare it to? Well, it's about the size of a porta potty Ew! I know, I know, but that's all I can think of. Anyway, despite its small outside appearance, inside it has this huge control room, a large library. I think they said it had a swimming pool. It's got a bunch of other rooms inside there. And this is because it's made from Time Lord technology. Time Lords can create things that are much bigger on the inside. Like, say, a sack of toys. From the outside, it'll just look like a small sack. On the inside, it can fit all the toys from Santa's workshop. Number three. Santa Mystery. How can Santa enter homes without a chimney? Time Lord answer? He uses a sonic screwdriver. The Doctor has a device called the sonic screwdriver that can do. well, it pretty much does whatever the plot needs it to do for any given episode. It can reprogram computers, it can scan for things, but mostly, what it does in episode after episode is open locked doors. So don't worry. Even if you have no chimney and your doors are locked, Santa can still get in. Oh, also, in the old show, the Time Lords have teleportation technology back on their home planet of Gallifrey. So, that's an option too? Number two. Santa Mystery. How do reindeer fly? Time Lord answer? They're aliens. So as I mentioned, the Time Lords have a home planet They're not from Earth, they're from another planet called Gallifrey And they go zipping all around the universe And they run into all sorts of different kinds of aliens Who's to say Santa didn't discover a planet With flying creatures who look like reindeer This would also explain why the male reindeer Still have their antlers in winter And how one of them was born with a bright, shiny red nose Honorable
1: mentions.
0: Santa Mystery? How does Santa know if you're bad or good? Time Lord answer, Time Lords are telepathic Yep, it's been established several times in the show. Time Lords have the gift of telepathy. I only put this as an honorable mention because it's never really explained the exact nature of their telepathy, but even their TARDISes have telepathic circuits. So I think it's safe to bet that he knows that you're sleeping, knows if you're awake, and knows if you swiped an extra cookie after your parents were asleep. So you better watch out. Number one. Santa Mystery. Why are there different Santas at different stores, and why do they look different? Time Lord answer? Santa has regenerated. So one cool thing about Time Lords is that when they die, their bodies produce a special energy that brings them back to life, but it changes their physical appearance. In fact, it changes every cell in their body, but inside it's still the same person. So the Santa you see on the corner ringing a bell might look different from the one whose lap you sat on at Disneyland. But that's just because he's regenerated since you saw him last. It also explains why he might not remember what toys you asked for last time. Regeneration does wonky things to a Time Lord's memory. It also explains why his look kept changing from when he was first known as St. Nicholas to his early days giving out gifts to the modern image of Santa with the red suit that we see today. Although I'd say now, this Santa Claus Time Lord has definitely Decided on a look that he likes, so there it is—an airtight case that Santa Claus is in fact a time lord. What do you say? Agree? Disagree? Have more examples of how Santa is a time lord? I can't wait to hear it. Leave me a comment at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com or email me at christmas@tancast.com. At Speaking of comments, let's dive into Santa Bab's mailbag. Santa Bab—he is gonna read some emails from you or tweets. Facebook messages to Santa Bab. He is opening up his mailbag tonight. This first one is from Scott, who writes Tim, just wanted to send you a message to let you know that I love the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast and that I greatly appreciate the time and effort that you put into it. Thanks very much. I think you might be more excited to know that my kids, ages 4, 5, and 9, love it as well. In fact, it's the only podcast that my 5-year-old daughter and 4-year-old son will listen to. And they love it so much, they actually ask for it almost every time we are in the car. Well, actually, they ask for the Christmas Bobcat, but they seem pretty happy when they hear your voice after making that request, which makes me think the podcast and the Bobcat are one and the same. I also wanted to let you know that a slightly modified version of one of the items in your Zazzle store has become my version of a Need a Little Christmas Now talisman. By taking the bumper sticker available in the store and adding the word podcast to it, the nature of the item shifted from something that alerts people to how much I like Christmas into a great conversation starter. The fact that people that I work with, my friends, and even strangers in parking lots have stopped to ask me about both the sticker and the podcast has been such an unexpected treat. It's such a pleasure just to talk to people for a few moments about something so joyful and fun, especially when they share one of their Christmas memories with me. I can't thank you enough for inspiring these experiences. I think that my bumper sticker houses a little bit of Christmas magic in it, and I truly believe it is just as wonderful of a bargain as those fire engines, the one with the real fire hose that squirts real water, that they had in Schoenfields on Lexington. Best wishes to you and your family, Scott. P.S. I attached a picture of the slightly altered bumper sticker just in case you were interested in seeing it. Thanks so much, Scott, and hello to your little ones, just in case they're listening to today's Bobcat. And I'm glad the bumper sticker is a good conversation starter. It's always fun to talk about Christmas. It's one of those things that you can always find a good memory to talk with someone, even if you don't know them. Also, I like the alterations you made. I posted a picture on the website for everyone to see. That's why I like having our shop at Zazzle. Not only can you get some cool stuff if you like the show, but you can make it your own. You can add words, add pictures, change the colors, do whatever you want. The limit is only your imagination. And international copyright laws so feel free to head over to zazzle.com slash can't wait for christmas to see if you can find a christmas talisman of your own but before you do that or i guess while you do that if you're good at multitasking i've got some more listener feedback from the mailbag this next one is a comment left on last episode from emily she says hey tim i love 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 your podcast and your guest appearances on nostalgia thank you very much i wanted to share some of the ideas i had for a holiday overlays at disneyland smiley face Let me stop real quick. This is awesome. I love that you made your own top five list. You won for my favorite comment of the day, Emily. You know what? Let's do Emily's five golden things. Five
1: Five golden things. Bonus (laughs) Emily edition.
0: Unfortunately, I haven't been to Disneyland during the holidays, and I heard a rumor that this is already in place. But if it isn't, I think an overlay of Christmas cheer on the Storybookland canal boat ride would be adorable. I mean, little reeds and little snowmen around those adorable fairy tale scenes, love it. I will say they do kind of already do this. Uh, I checked with a a cast member friend of mine because, you know, I'm cool like that. I know cast members, and I'm not going to say this person's name, but they're pretty important in the world of Storybook Land, and they assure me that they do decorate almost all the Storybook Land scenes except for Agrabah and Frozen. Although I will say it does say much that I didn't remember that they decorated all of them. I knew they decorated Geppetto's village. I didn't remember the rest of them. And I don't know why they wouldn't decorate Frozen, but I guess we should just let it go. (laughs) I know, I'm sorry. Anyway, let's move on with the countdown. Number two. Toontown. How amazing would it be to see Mickey and Minnie's houses all decked out for the holiday? I was thinking it could even be in the style of Walt Disney World's former Osborne spectacle of dancing lights. That would be even better. I can only imagine how amazing Toon's holiday traditions would be. I do say I love... I will say... This is Tim talking now. I love the idea of bringing back the Osborne lights. I'm just not sure if Toontown is big enough, but they do decorate Toontown for Christmas, but only on the outside. It'd be great to get some decorations up inside Mickey and Minnie's houses. Maybe swap out the audio on their answering machines. Oh, they have answering machines in Mickey and Minnie's house, and you can hear people calling in and leaving messages. Oh, answering machines are what people had before there was voicemails in the cloud. Forget it. Anyway, you could hear people calling in with, like, Christmas-related messages. And you could also swap out the audio on their radio. They both have—both Mickey and Minnie's house and Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin play W-A-C-K-Y wacky radio toontown. Why not swap it out for some Christmas tunes? Come on, Disneyland! Do Emily and I have to think of everything? Number
1: three. Autopia.
0: Autopia. I'm going to be honest, the idea of Autopia always seems to be better than the actual ride. But what could be amazing is a holiday overlay. Imagine vintage Christmas music playing, scenes of snowmen, Christmas decorations, etc. A nighttime ride light display would be so fun. Yeah, it would be like those holiday light displays that you drive through. Usually they take over some park on Christmas and then at night you can drive through with your lights off and you see all these light displays. They could totally make Autopia that. And maybe theme it to the future, because it's Tomorrowland. They can figure it out. They're Imagineers. They can pay for that. Oh, wait. There's a little more here. I know it isn't holiday-themed, but I suppose I could kind of be if they did an overlay of Sugar Rush from Wreck-It Ralph. That would be amazing. Hmm. Does this count as an honorable mention? These usually go after number two. Also, we usually count down. So, But we're counting it. You know what? Is Emily's list? Emily's rules. I'm going to allow it. Let's carry on. Number four. I never had the chance to see America Sings, but from what I've read, it sounded pretty freaking epic. I thought it'd be rad if we could have something similar for Christmas. If they could have a show in the great moments with Mr. Lincoln Theater with animatronic characters singing and celebrating the season, I am sure it would be a mega hit. Could fulfill our country bear jamboree void for a few months out of the year. That is a solid idea. Although I think people might grouse and complain if you took out Lincoln for some singing, dancing animals. Even if they're singing and dancing about Christmas. But then again, plenty of people have been grousing and complaining about the Guardians of the Galaxy evicting the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And that hasn't stopped Disney from doing it, so might as well give this a shot. Number five, Last idea. A holiday-themed restaurant. Again, I haven't had the chance to see the parks at Christmas time, so they may already do this. But if not, I would love to visit a restaurant with Christmas love in the air and in the food. That sounds like a brilliant idea. Seems like a natural fit for the Village Haas restaurant in Fantasyland. I saw how easily they turned the Tomorrowland Terrace into a Star Wars-themed eatery for Seasons of the Force. They could totally turn Village Haas into Santa's Kitchen or something more clever. Darn it, Jim! I'm a comedian, not an imagineer! Anyway, great stuff, Emily. Thank you so much. I definitely want more emails and comments like this. Any top fives you want to redo or ways to have a little Christmas now or ways you'd like to add or even correct a previous show, email me or leave them at the website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now, let's talk about tonight's feature with our special guest, imaginary listener who kind of sounds like George Bailey. Where is he? Uh, is he not here? Really? 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 Not only can I not get a real guest for this month's episode, my imaginary guests are no-shows. H- how about the guy who suspiciously sounds similar to Darth Vader from our Star Wars Holiday Special Review? Is he around?
1: You rang? Ah! Don't do that. What is it you want? I was just about to take all my limbs off and have a bath. Sounds soothing.
0: I was going to ask you if you could help me with this next segment about Christmas folklore. Uh... I have to warn you, it's not your normal Christmas tale.
1: In fact, it's downright spooky. You could say it's a little on the... Dark Side I see what you did there
0: Kinda hard to miss it
1: Fine, but make it snappy, I haven't got all day
0: Okay, welcome to our first ever edition of What's
1: That Christmas Stop that music
0: Well, glad we spent all that money on a band. Now we have to buy them all new instruments. Sorry, Eugene. Sorry, Estelle. Sorry, everybody. Anyway, today we're going to talk about some Christmas lore that was popular in New Mexico and southern Colorado back in the day the legend of El Aguelo. Now, Vader
1: Guy, is El Aguelo a wolf, a spirit, or some old guy? I'm going to guess he's a spirit. Sorry, he's an old guy. I thought Santa had the old Christmas guy thing covered. How many old dudes do you really need in this holiday?
0: El abuelo, or as it is sometimes said, El Abuelo, or the grandfather, comes around to the homes of all the people with children. He checks to see if the children have all been good and learned their prayers. What does he do if they haven't learned their prayers? Smash one of their Christmas
1: presents, set fire to their stocking, beat them. Wow, you weren't kidding. No matter what I pick, this is pretty dark. Should Scott's kids still be listening to this?
0: They're going to be fine, but we still need an answer.
1: Uh, I guess smash a present?
0: Nope. According to legend, El Aguilo would give the kids a good flogging if they disobeyed their parents or didn't say their prayers.
1: Wow, and I thought the Sith was dark.
0: El Aguelo announces his presence with a loud knock at the door and the cry, El Aguelo, El Aguelo, aquí viene
1: El Aguelo. Which translates to, here comes the grandfather. Kinda stinks for any actual grandfathers dropping by for a visit. Instead of the kids running up to give Grandpa a hug, they're all hiding under their beds. Well, what is the response expected from the children
0: when El Aguelo announces his presents? They come to the door and recite their prayers. They have to hide, and the first one to get caught gets no presents. Or they have to bite a branch off a Christmas
1: tree. I'm guessing they have to eat the Christmas tree branch? No!
0: They just say prayers.
1: Come on, forcing children to eat an evergreen branch? That's disgusting. Based on the answers up until now, I think you gave me a false expectation.
0: After they say their prayers, El Aguelo has the kids do what? Clean his shoes, dance,
1: or brush his hair. I'll go with clean his shoes. I doubt this old dude has much hair left. Nope. He makes the children dance from right to left, then left to right, singing, Balia Palorama
0: de Juan Turrenton, which means dance, dove of Juan Turrenton. Turrenton, tun-tun, turantun tun-tun, balia palorama Juan Turrenton, Turn, 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 all right, turn, all right, we get it. Yes, fair enough. Now sometimes, when El Aguelo isn't happy with the dance or the prayers of the child, or even if he just doesn't like the look of them, he'll do what? Crack his whip, make them dance alone, or repeat the verses of the song in a threatening manner.
1: Huh. Really have no idea where to go on this one. Your questions are kind of all over the place. Gonna need an answer. Uh, okay, the whip. Actually, it's all three. How do you say Dance Dove of Juan Turpentine? Turrenton. Whatever. How do you say that in a threatening manner? Dance Dove of Juan Turpentine! Fair enough. A little over the top, but you've proved your point.
0: When El Aguelo would show up at the home, the residents would offer him something.
1: Was it the severed head of a chicken, money, or sweets and cookies? Well, I guess if you have money, you can buy all the sweets, cookies, and severed chicken heads you need. Nope, it's sweets and candy. He would put them in a large bag to take with him. Where, where would you take them? Uh,
0: the Journal of American Folklore doesn't say.
1: I mean, I'll ask the questions here, Vader guy. Just trying to understand this wacky game. Are there even any prizes? I could use some armor all for my helmet. Please, it's time for the final question. Sweet freedom! Let's
0: have it. So, El Aguelo carried away the sweets in a bag. What else did he carry
1: away? Start the final countdown clock. Wait, what are my choices? The final question isn't multiple choice. i just got to come up with this on my own. I've never heard of this Aggie Wello thing until today. How am I supposed to know? Time is running out. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, He carries the bad children away in the bag.
0: That's absolutely correct!
1: Yes, finally. I knew my dark backstory would pay off someday. It feels good to win. Well, actually, since you only got one question right, I'm afraid you didn't win. What? Sorry. So I'm going home empty-handed? This is a Christmas game. I should at least get a parting gift. I'm afraid not, but thanks for playing. I find your lack of prizes disturbing. Huh. Uh,
0: you know what? I just remembered. If you answer the last question correctly, you get a year's supply of Arborol.
1: Very well. I'll expect delivery this afternoon. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm late for my limbless bath. (sighs) Well, I guess that wraps up
0: today's edition of What's the Christmas? Christmas? Well, I guess we'll move right along and find out how you voted in last episode's Who Sang It Best. Last time it was Al Green versus Sarah McLaughlin, battling it out to see who did the best version of Silent Night. And the results are in, and it's not even close. Al Green is definitely a music legend, but Sarah McLaughlin's angelic voice took this one with almost three-fourths of your votes. Now, the poll is still open, so if you want to make your voice heard, just go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and search for episode 22. In fact, you can vote in any prior Who Sang It Best from any of our old episodes, and if the results flip, I'll be sure to announce it on a future episode. Now, let's turn our attention to a debate that rages as hard as the hands shot first debate. We're spending all of 2017 answering the question Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Let it snow,
1: let it snow, let it snow. It's Christmas Eve in LA. Welcome to- Die Hard, a Christmas movie!
0: All year, listeners like you are writing in with their opinions on whether Die Hard should be counted as a Christmas movie. We're going to debate all year, and then we'll vote as it gets closer to Christmas. Today's letter comes from Jillian, and she says... I was listening to the February episode where Adam wrote in saying that Die Hard can't be a Christmas movie because it came out in the summer. So I guess only movies that come out in November and December can be considered Christmas movies? Well, I hope no one tells that to a little movie released on June 4th, 1947... That would be the apparently no longer a Christmas classic, Miracle on 34th Street. Yep, according to an article from Turner Classic Movies, 20th Century Fox knew it had a terrific film on its hands and believed it had the potential to be a big hit. With that in mind, studio chief Daryl Zanuck made the decision to release the Christmas themed film not in December, which would seem logical, but rather in June. The studio believed that more people went to the movies during the summer and would therefore mean bigger box office potential. With a summer film about Santa Claus, the challenge for 20th Century Fox was figuring out how to market it. Daryl Zanuck and his marketing team devised a publicity campaign for Miracle on 34th Street that would entice audiences to see it without ever mentioning it was about Christmas. The holiday theme was played way down in the teaser trailers, and movie poster art featured Maureen O'Hara and John Payne prominently, with Edmund Gwynn barely visible in the background. As far as unsuspecting audiences knew, they were simply seeing a lighthearted romantic comedy. The marketing campaign worked. When the film was released in the summer of 1947, it was was a smash hit winning the hearts of audiences and critics alike so if we extrapolate from the miracle on 34th street example if you're gonna make a christmas movie that's also an action movie it makes sense to release that in the summer as well and that's what Die Hard is it's a christmas action movie wow not only did jillian cite a source but she rebutted a letter from another listener am i gonna have to separate you two remember hans gruber is the bad guy we're all friends here But if you have some reasons why you think Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas movie, send them on in to christmas at tancast.com, and we can decide once and for all, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? This is their idea of Christmas. i got to be here for New Year's.
1: (laughs) Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire...
0: And that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you, as always, for listening to our little audio winter hideaway. Don't forget to visit the website or feel free to tweet us at ChristmasPod with anything you'd like to share. We'll be back in May, same Christmas time, same Christmas channel. Until then, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas
1: 1983.
0: (laughs) Actually, Dad, it's 2017. Oh,
1: Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable T-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash can't wait for Christmas pod. Or on Twitter, we are at Christmas pod. Or you could always send us an email directly at Christmas at tancast.com. The can't wait for Christmas podcast is part of the tancast podcast network. We wish you a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything?
0: God bless us, everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Christmas, the final frontier. These are the ramblings of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. Its monthly mission to spread holiday cheer, to make. To keep making silly Christmas jokes. To merrily go where no podcast has gone. but It doesn't sound like Shatner. It just sounds like I'm whiny. I'll do that over. So I'm going to assume that the Can't Wait for Christmas whew, podcast, it's a podcast. Scott kids are not too far off. I almost called it a bobcat. Well, it pretty much does whatever the plot needs it to do for any given episode. Like, it can reprogram computer. Really? Really, Motorcycle? You're ruining the Christmas here. I also want to let you know that a slightly modified version of one of the items in your Zazzle store has become my version of need a little Christmas nap. Oh, Tim, why not read the sentence and then talk? Nah, just blather. I also wanted to let you know that a slightly modified version of one of the items in your Zazzle store... <coughs> <coughs> oh, gee, Mrs. Cleaver, I'm going through puberty. <coughs> Balia Paloma, day one, Turuntan Tarunton. Tarunton. I think that's what my wife said. My wife told me how to pronounce the Spanish, but instead of writing it down, I thought, I'll remember it. <laughs> Anybody who's listened to the outtakes of this podcast knows I will not remember it. Here goes. Turuntan. Turuntan. Balia Paloma. 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 Balia Paloma de Juan Turuntan. Turuntan. I can't pronounce that very well. I have to very. That would be the apparently no longer a Christmas classic Miracle on 24th Street. You got man, man, you're ten blocks over. You want to go over to Thirty Fourth Street? There ain't no miracles here. With that in mind, the studio chief Daryl Zanuck. Jillian, why would you give me Daryl Zanuck? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Jillian. Ooh. Wow, I can't. Well, I can't believe I recorded that long. I thought this was gonna be a short show. The boy, editing.